The second scripture lesson today comes from Mark's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 21 through 28. Listen for the word of God contained in this reading. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm glad to be with you. It's been a long time since I've had the opportunity to be preaching in your midst, almost 17 years. When Pastor Sandy asked me to participate, I was happy to oblige, but it was with a bit of trepidation. The last time I was preaching here was in the sanctuary, in the pulpit with robes on and the organ shaking the floor and the choir behind me, most of the time looking interested. It's a different kind of experience today, to say the least. In my family room, preaching to a camera, a microphone, and a computer screen. It's also a little dangerous to bring in a preacher who hasn't been preaching for a couple of years because, well, we tend to have this backlog of stuff. We haven't had the opportunity to speak. Truthfully, I'm also glad I haven't had to preach through these murky and tumultuous waters in which we are living. And I am so thankful for friends like Sandy, whose words guide us through challenging times. So will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength, our hope, our foundation. Amen. Linda and I are raising our grand dog, who used to belong to our son Peter until he moved into an apartment. Now you need to understand that I'm talking about a very serious dog, a Siberian Husky. Walking Oberon, as you might imagine, is not some quick trek around the block. He's a sled dog and should be running the Iditarod. So the walk needs to be more like an expedition. The interesting thing is that he prefers walking at night. That double coat of fur is probably responsible for that cooler hour preference. I've come to enjoy these nighttime outings with Oberon. I'm often listening to music. Many times it has been great for reflection and trying to process the events of the day. There have been some deeply spiritual experiences walking the neighborhood at night. When you walk at night, you realize that darkness is a relative term. It can be impacted by the cloud cover or light pollution 
or the particular phase of the moon. Some nights it is very dark, making it a little unsafe without a flashlight. Others, not so much. Regardless, you have to exhibit some care because you never know where you might stumble in the dark. So you take advantage of any light guiding you on that nighttime journey. Light, light coming to us in the darkness. That's a major theme during the season of Epiphany. Each year, these weeks focus on Jesus and the beginnings of his ministry. We remember how God was made manifest in the person of Jesus, whose light illumined our faith ancestors and continues to impact us to this day. It's a powerful, hopeful message. Because who of us has not at some time or another felt like we were walking around in the dark? So I'd like us to pause to reflect on a question. When have I felt like I was walking in darkness? How did it impact me? We can view the reading this morning from Mark's Gospel through the lens of darkness and light, themes that figure prominently in our faith stories. Mark is not one to waste words. It's a whirlwind narrative. In just the first chapter, we are introduced to John the Baptist, setting the stage for Jesus' baptism, followed by Jesus calling Simon Andrew James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, asking them to follow me, which leads into a teaching ministry taking place around Galilee. Finally, finally bringing us to that synagogue in Capernaum. It's interesting that Mark chooses to make no mention of the fact that Jesus had been run out of Nazareth, his hometown, by the religious officials. He skips that story, instead starting in the place that became his home for most of his Galilean ministry, Capernaum. From Mark's perspective, it's safe to assume that those in the synagogue had already heard something about Jesus, rumors at the very least. You remember the plot, Jesus started teaching. The scribes were taken aback by his teaching with the authority he seemed to have. This was interrupted by a man possessed with a demon. Jesus called out the demon. All were amazed by what had happened and the word started to spread about this teacher and miracle worker. Those were the facts, according to Mark. Now, what happened that day seems simple on the surface, but with closer inspection, it has some much deeper meanings. Now, when we look at a text like this, we might be inclined to shortchange it and move on. I know that I've thought that, but we would be wrong. And as I was reflecting on this text, I came across the work of Osvaldo Vanna, a retired professor from Garrett Seminary. His thoughts prompted me to take a much closer look at what the demon-possessed man said and the actions Jesus took and how we might interpret this, two trains of thought in particular. 
So let's first focus on the scribes Mark mentions. They were a part of the ancient Jewish elite, along with the chief priests, Sadducees, and the Pharisees. We hear of their activities from the time of the exile until the destruction of the temple, a period of about 600 years, ending around the year 70 in the Common Era. Scribes were part of an educated class. They had a considerable knowledge of the law and they could draft legal documents. Unlike some of the other gospel writers, Mark depicted the scribes as Jesus's main adversaries in Galilee. Because of their role and background, they probably looked at Jesus through rather critical eyes. They were astonished by his teaching with authority, which was interrupted by the man with an unclean spirit. Now the focus is not just about the demon-possessed man. When the man cries out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Vana points out that the us includes the scribes. Jesus represented trouble for all of them. It's not a new revelation that Jesus and his ministry challenged the existing powers in Jewish community. He veered away from established traditions and norms and in the process angered a lot of people. We don't know the content of Jesus' teaching on that day. We can surmise that it pushed some buttons and got the scribes talking. Now Luke's gospel speaks of a similar situation early in Jesus' ministry when he was teaching in Nazareth. He spoke the words of the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, ultimately finishing with a bold statement, today, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Of course, the good folks in Nazareth ran him out of town. Now, if the episode in Capernaum was anything like this, People were getting riled up. You get riled up when you are accustomed to being in control. And when it's suggested that you're a part of a creeping darkness and all of a sudden light shows you for what you are, you get riled up. The gospel writer saw the scribes as part of the problem, not the solution. They were a part of the us that kept people in bondage and darkness. I don't know about you, but if I were they, I would be feeling more than a little annoyed to the suggestion that I was keeping people in darkness. Maybe running Jesus out of town isn't such a bad idea. What do you think? Let's pause to consider another question. What actions and attitudes have caused me to be like one of the scribes. The second, another idea that particularly struck me from Dr. Vana has to do with the concept of naming. In human folklore studies, there's this idea referred to as the law of names. Knowledge of a name gives you the power to impact other persons or beings. 
often with some magic involved, and that's a part of many folk tales. It's also a concept deeply rooted in our biblical narrative. Think about it. Adam was given the power to name. Sarai and Abram, their names changed to Abraham and Sarah when they became inheritors of God's promise. Remember Moses and the burning bush when he lamented, who should I tell them sent me? Names were important because knowledge can give access to power and control. It can set the stage for how we live in ignorance, in darkness, or in light. When Jesus called out the demon, he was casting away the darkness. He was taking control. The question we might consider is this. Are we being named by our demons who then control us, engage us in their activity, and make us a part of their darkness? Or do we instead name the demons the way they oppress and the evil that they represent, taking control and calling them out for exactly what they are? We don't have to look far to see how our demons have named us and taken control over us. It's an exhaustive list. Greed, fear, entrenched racism, homophobia, ageism, sexism, the manipulation of people through fear, especially fearing people who are different than me, self-centeredness, the use of religion to oppress, to create deep wounds and to split apart. There's a lot of darkness. Let's pause to reflect on some other questions. Where do I see those powers of darkness at work? How have they tried to name me? Where have they tried to pull me in? What have I done to liberate myself from their control? Friends, even on those dark nights when I'm walking the dog, I can find light. Enough light that keeps me safe and guides me home. The good news for us is that Jesus had power over the demons. He named them. He called them out for what they were and became the one in control, pointing his followers to a better path. Are we willing to be a part of that Jesus work? Calling out and identifying the demons, bringing light, bringing light that is so badly needed. God yearns for us to be the light, offering grace, hope, love. No, it's not an easy path. The demons, so to speak, are always there, subtle and adept in leading us astray. But friends, we have a partner on that path, a partner who guides us, who challenges us, who sighs at our excuses, but continues to bathe us in the light and never gives up on us. I find comfort in that for these times in which we live. What do you think?
Amen. Let us pray. God of light, we rejoice that in Jesus your goodness was made manifest in this world. As we remember his example, let your people never tire in pursuing the goal of becoming more like him. Help us to reflect his light into every dark place. Bind us together as your church, the body of Christ for the world, that we may be like him in our service and witness, even during these uncertain days. Encourage our leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and our Superintendent Jim, and sustain your people in every place as they continue to cope with not being able to gather safely. Hear the prayers offered across our district today for the work that is being done at Pacific Korean Mission in South Pasadena and at Van Nuys United Methodist Church. Creator God, you brought forth all of creation, naming each creature and calling it good. Help us to honor that goodness through our care for the earth. Lead us to make choices that are ethical and sustainable so that our example may inspire others and result in better conservation of Earth's valuable resources. We pray for all who this day face trials because of extreme weather or natural disaster, and we ask that you protect first responders as they serve them. God of righteousness, inspire the world's leaders to seek true justice for all of your children. Unclench the hands of the greedy, to share what they have and to discover the joy of generosity. We pray for all who are oppressed by injustice or poverty, all who suffer without a home or without friends, and for migrant people yearning for freedom and safety. Giving God, heal us of our racist practices, our addiction to wealth, our tribalism, and our entitlement. Lead us to make choices that affirm the worth of each of your children, each one of whom is loved by you and called by name. Your mercy, O God, exceeds all that we can imagine, and so we are bold to pray for those near to us who suffer today in body, mind, or spirit. Along with all the persons and situations found in today's prayer list, we especially pray for John Duda and Thelma Calantas as they heal from their various health challenges. We lift before you the world as it contends with the coronavirus pandemic. Sustain those who are afflicted with the virus and comfort those who mourn loved ones who have died. Encourage those who are unemployed or underemployed and use us as a means of assistance and hope for them. O God, weave us together as one human family, even in these days of common trial and disease. Finally, we pray for those that we love but who we see no longer, for your saints who have come to the end of this life and now dwell in your eternal light. Sarah Ferrier, mother of Susan, and Dallas Richardson, spouse of the Reverend Mark Richardson. Acknowledge we humbly pray these sheep of your own fold, lambs of your own flock, sinners of your own redeeming. Receive them into the arms of your great mercy, 
and, O God, comfort those who remain and mourn their passing. Hear all of these prayers, along with those unspoken needs that are known only to you, O God. Confident that you do hear us when we pray, we join our, vo join our voices now in the words that our Savior Christ taught to disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for taking part in this online service of worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch any of our services or events again and share them with your friends and family. The bulletin contains details about a number of church activities that are coming up, as well as the weekly prayer list and a guide to this service of worship. Please use the link in the video description to download it. Lent begins with Ash Wednesday on February 17th. Bags with material that you can use to participate in this holy season will be available for drive-through pickup in the church parking lot these next two Saturdays, February 6th and 13th. Please download the bulletin to learn more, including how to receive a bag if you are not able to come to the church. But even before Lent begins, St. Valentine's Day will be here. This year, our social service pantry will show special love to our clients by distributing gift bags filled with valentines made by the church's children, along with other special treats. Please help in funding this effort. When you donate $40 or more, you can direct a valentine gram to the person of your choice in the greater Pasadena area. By the way, a valentine gram is a dozen cookies or a plant. Sign up today by using the link in this week's e-news or in today's bulletin. Donations may be made through the church's online giving website, and Valentine Gram orders are due by Friday, February 12th. Thank you for your continued financial support of the Church during these months of separation. Your generosity sustains our work in many ways as we seek to serve the city and to meet needs that have not gone away, even though we cannot safely gather in the sanctuary. Use the link in the video description today to give online, or simply click on Donate at the Church's website. Your offerings may also be mailed to the church using the address that's on the screen. Finally, remember to use the special email connect at fumcpasadena.org to contact the clergy directly with your prayer requests and needs of any kind. Abundant communication has never been more important, so please let's stay in touch. Be well, stay safe, and remember to wear your mask.
As our worship concludes this day, we take moment to offer our prayers of blessing on these quilts for members of our congregation who are in need of an extra word of prayer from us on their behalf. This quilt we tie our prayers into for Thelma Calantas. Thelma has served this congregation for many years as our communion steward, and she is currently in hospital with COVID. And this quilt is for Tom Kazakowski, who is undergoing chemo for a recently diagnosed cancer. Will you lift your hands in blessing as we pray over these quilts for our beloved friends. Dear God, you have promised to be with us in all of our days, days of joy and days of sorrow, days of triumph and days of struggle. We ask, especially in these days of illness, that you would be with Thelma and with Tom, that they might feel your presence with them in ways that sustain and surround them with grace and love and mercy. May these quilts be tangible reminders that they do not go through what they are facing alone, and that with your love and our love, they might know healing and hope. In Christ, you have sent the healer of the world. May Thelma and Tom be aware of his presence in their lives and through these days. And may our love and your love be a comfort, a gift, and a strength to them both. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Go forth, replenished by the grace and mercy of God, blessed by the healing love of Jesus, and energized by the limitless power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.